everybody welcome to the very first episode of the homeroom educators educating educators here i am i'm drew missing and i have my lovely co-host kaylee kaylee say hello to the people hello people um so we're starting this podcast try and help out families who may be homeschooling those that have their children in the government or the private system just help families at home with their kids and their education in general Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> so it's we a great got... intro. Yeah, thank you. I try my best. We um Kaylee and I actually got to know each other through through Bob, who is Kaylee's husband. We got to know each other and became mates. And I had Kaylee on for an episode of my show just to talk about education because we've got two very different backgrounds in, in what we do. I'm a, a government school educator and Kaylee is taught in a private school. And now teaches homeschool. So we had a great conversation there. I'd suggest people go back and listen to that one. But out of that, we've kind of developed a bit of a friendship going to and fro, talking about education and and the world in general. And we kind of got to this point where we thought we should do a podcast together. Absolutely. It's good to have such diverse perspectives on the same subject, which is education. Yeah, absolutely. We cover all the spectrum, right? Yeah, if, if one of us was a bit more uh, melanated or a bit more diverse, I think we'd be fine. We've got, <laughs> we've, I'm probably the opposite for that. We've got a ginger white guy. The diversity there is I'm in Australia. Uh, Kaylee, you're in the US. And That's I think right. those are worlds apart in our education system. So I think that'll be really interesting for people on both our parts of the world to listen to how vastly different they are. Oh, my gosh, yes. The US system is just a joke. Well, I don't think Australia's is any better. I think we've adopted the California model for education and and it's going very woke very quickly. So what is your plan if they start to teach all the all the things? I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it. Will our podcast get banned or <laughs> promoted? Promoted, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line, isn't it? We'd have to get nuked on our first episode or it'll uh, go straight to number one. <laughs> I guess it depends on our stance. That's it. Well, I think this is where we come to a a common understanding or an ideal about what education is or should be, that we've got the idea of families kind of being left alone a little bit, that education should be your basic education. It shouldn't be um, politically motivated or social change happening through schools in a lot of areas, where a lot of that should come down to family and families educating their children about their own culture, their own history, and, and not having too much government overreach. So I think that's all where we meet yes. and we agree with a lot of things. We're probably going to disagree on the delivery of education and what approaches work. That's no doubt that's going to happen further down the line possibly, but I think that's where our common understanding is. And yes, like you said, there are things that are happening in Australia and 
I'm in the position now where I'm kind of sitting back and watching and trying to be involved as much as I can so I can see what's happening and right. trying to navigate it. But yes, I can see it going a very, very, very woke way. And pretty quickly. Like I didn't expect it to to go this direction so rapidly to where everything is just so left with the agenda of everything. I mean, politics, sexuality on children, the whole thing. So, I mean, I knew it was coming, but I didn't expect it to be this fast. No, and it's kind of put in the light of diversity. Like, diversity is great. Like, it's all, it takes all sorts of people to make the world go around. Ah, Bob, you'll love that one. Um, <laughs> it takes all sorts of people to make the world work. I agree, Absolutely. But it's when diversity of thought isn't tolerated, but diversity of everything else is put at the forefront. It's not true diversity. It's selective diversity. And that's my biggest gripe with it all. Right. Well, and there's a difference between diversity and perversion. So, Well, yeah, there we go. I'd say that 100% (laughs) after seeing what's happening in America, that would be definitely true. But we're not not here to get into that. Maybe we can have an entire episode around just how screwed the American system is and we can do counterpoints with, how Australia's tiptoeing into that same direction. Oh, that would be great. I'm going to start volunteering at our um, middle son's public school because he goes to public school. And I just kind of want the inside scoop. Like, I want to see what school is like in Austin, Texas. Let's see. Little little California. Little California. Yeah, that just boggles my mind because foreigners think of Texas as being a gun-toting, rootin' tootin' like red state, but I suppose it's like Man. all capital cities, right? Yeah, I guess it's all major cities because Dallas is the same way. Jesus. Like it's very liberal Houston. Oh my Lord. Like it's all very, all of the big cities and they claim that's because of education, right? Like the smarter yeah, you well, are, the more you, the, the more you vote for systems that benefit <laughs> you, I guess. I don't know. The more you so, vote for systems that have manipulated you through your education system. Right, yeah. right. My God. Yeah, I, we could definitely go down that many rabbit holes just in the comparing our two countries alone. But let's get into what we're here for. We're here to introduce ourselves and to um, give the listeners a bit of understanding of what we hope to achieve in this podcast. So how about you start off? What's your background in education, Kaylee, for those of people who haven't heard our podcast before? So I went to public school as a child and then I went to private school as a child and then I was homeschooled so I have all three backgrounds Um, I graduated when I was 16 and then I immediately almost immediately started teaching at a private school and I taught at a private school for about three years and it was kind of like a vintage schoolhouse where I was teaching several grades at once so I had kindergarten through third grade And I taught all of those grades simultaneously, and now I homeschool our three out of four kids. So I'm picturing a little, like, home on the prairie or Dr. Quinn medicine woman, like a little schoolhouse with, like, all these kids in there. Man, if only. It was not like (laughs) that. It was at a church. So, I mean, take with that what you will. But, um, yeah, it was pretty awesome having – because it was a private school and Christian, so we had – you know, not too many kids. I think I had most 10. Oh, God, 10 that's kids. the dream, teaching 10 oh. kids. Whew. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And then you get the older ones helping the younger ones, and it's just a fantastic way to do things. 
everybody gets, you know, what they need out of it. So. So you graduated high school when you were 16. Yeah. And went straight into teaching. I did. Yes. That must have make, made you grow up really quick. Oh, well, I mean, not to the trauma dump, but my mom was an addict and my dad's a pastor. So I grew up real quick. anyways. <laughs> so you, you're in the I right... was grown. No, that's it. Well, you're in the right <laughs> spot, I suppose. You were, you're helping kids out. And that's the, the main, I think that's the main thing teachers do for the right reasons is people go right. into education to want to make like real change, like positive change. Yes. And yeah, um, as for me, I got into education a little later in life. I went through a few career changes. I worked as a draftsman, so drawing up plans, houses and things like that. I was in the Australian Air Force, left that, met my wife, decided that education be a good good place to be. So we have my wife's an educator, for those of you who don't know. So it was a good place to be for us. We'd have the same holiday, same time off, same schedules. And yeah, I was a mature age student, went to university, graduated, and yeah, I've been teaching for five years now and I'm relatively fresh within the scheme of, of teaching, but I really enjoy it. But like all things, I think there's aspects of it that need to change and that haven't changed for the longest time. And I don't think that the system really wants to change. Right. I think that too. I think if things could change for the better, they would have already done that by now. It's not like we don't have the knowledge or resources or any of that. If they wanted to make them better, they could and they don't. So that sucks. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's a uniquely uh, government or public school teacher position as well. I think that's why there tends to be such a high turnover because people go in there with these idealistic eyes and wanting to change the world. And they're in there for three or four years and they realize they can't actually do it. And they kind of have to detach themselves or they end up being that depressed, grumpy teacher that shouldn't be teaching in the first place. Right. Right. We all had one of those. I don't oh, know if you've yeah. seen the cartoon Recess. Yeah. <laughs> American, you know, you know the one. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody, everybody has one of those teachers. God, I think that's the traumatic part of education. Everyone had that one exact teacher, like it was a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, everybody who's listening, they're immediately getting that person in their mind. Like, you know who we're talking about. <laughs> We all had one, at least one. <laughs> Absolutely, we did. Oh, so we are going to discuss like all sorts of topics. We'll have probably episodes around set themes, like we could have episodes about teaching maths, um, learning vocabulary, all those sorts of things, and we can compare and contrast how I would teach that in the classroom, how you'd teach that um, within a homeschool setting, and hopefully we can meet somewhere in the middle and provide some feedback and advice for parents who want to support their child's learning. Yeah, that would be awesome. Cool. So what are some topics that you would like to cover? What, what do you find are the big areas of education you think that, or what do you value in education? What do you think are the, the big themes? Freedom. I mean, being child-led, letting the child kind of go at, I mean, there's such a, such a fine line with letting the child go at their own pace because mm-hmm. we have a, almost teenager now who suddenly doesn't want to do anything so (laughs) there's a fine line between you know letting the child go at their own pace and then having some sort of direction but I think that's really important um knowing each student and how they learn so you can help them that's really big um nature learning and like art and music that is very important so 
Nice. Okay, ready? I'm going to throw you the, the department buzzwords at you. So oh, no. for freedom, that is student voice and agency. Uh, so Ick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're going to love this. <laughs> student voice and agency. So that's students having a say in what they're learning or contributing to what they would like to learn about. Second one you noted on about catering for other people's like differentiated needs. That's called differentiated learning or differentiated teaching. And for the last one, I'd say that kind of links back to what our units would be around sustainability and environment, where I know it sounds very green and very left, <laughs> but if, if, you've got the, if you've got the right teacher, it becomes a really, really good program where you can actually teach kids that, you know, you don't just buy a lettuce at the shop or lettuce isn't cut up on a Big Mac. You actually have to pull it out of the ground, you grow it, you cook it, you, you do things with these like real tangible stuff which um, is definitely something we've lost as a society. Thinking oh back, my like my grandparents, they would have grown, I don't know, maybe 30 to 40% of everything they'd need. And the rest of it, they'd trade and barter with between neighbours and friends. Like there right. wasn't a lot you'd have to buy at the shops, was there? That's a dream, right? Like that's what I want for my life. Like I want to be that old lady with the crazy hair and the, all <laughs> the chickens. That's just like, I have eggs. What can you give me? So now I'm just picturing you with a whole heap of silky sitting on your shoulders, like the woman from um, Home Alone. Home too. Alone, yeah. Yeah, but, but with chickens <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> That's the dream. That's my dream. I would love that so much. Yeah, all of those words you said, that was very um, sterile. Yes, Sounds very very analytical, isn't it? That's and not my, my Instagram aesthetic. That's what I know. Uh, that's that's the big thing. You go into education, you realize that if you can bullshit your way and talk the talk, you just throw in a bunch of those buzzwords. You may not understand what they are, but if you use them in sentences, leadership or government officials will sit back and go, oh, yes, clap, clap, clap. That's amazing. Fantastic. Hey, if you say I'm out of order, you could even be president of the United you States. You could be. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, it's so good, though, because I know the ins and outs of like what of each of those teaching areas are at staff meetings or at regional meetings, when you hear someone try to top note themselves or talk up and think that like they're the best, they'll use some of those topics and they won't use them in context. And then you call them out in front of everyone. They go bright red and they sit down really quickly. Oh man, that's so embarrassing for them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, there, there's Drew again causing issues. And I'm there just going, stir that pot, stir it. <laughs> that's why you homeschool because all of your peers are shorter than you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say? See if you get that cheese stick. <laughs> You're not. But, but for how short you are, they wouldn't be that short for that long. They'd be outgrowing you very quickly. Yes, yes. Our 11-year-old is like two inches away from being taller than me. I think that's I think that's part of our recent power struggle. He's getting too big <laughs> for his britches. He doesn't know that I had like a yellow belt in karate and like, it's not much, but it's enough. Can you please put that on your Instagram or on your resume, anything, yellow belt and karate? <laughs> yes <laughs> that would be the best for any interview oh, i see you're a yellow belt in karate and you go yes i am would you like me to demonstrate <laughs> start autographing things <laughs> i have a yellow belt i'm fancy would you like to see it <laughs> pull it out of your purse <laughs> just wear it over all of my clothes <laughs> That'd be fantastic. It's so, um, now I'm, I'm just gleaming something here. Is that how you assert dominance in a homeschooling environment? You walk around with the belt on and when a kid starts giving you lip, you tap the belt? 
Don't make me tap the belt. <laughs> Yellow belt. Yellow belt. Do you think any? You think anybody wants a roundhouse kick to the face when we're these bad boys? <laughs> Forget about it. Uh, oh my god, so good. So we've kind of got this idea. We're trying to help families that we know that the way the system is, it is so hard. Well, it seems to be so hard to opt out of the system. And unfortunately, the way that the debt system is built, that matrix system we talk about, that there's some families that will never get out of it. They need two people working full time just to get by. And they're reliant on the system. They have to send their kid to a government school. And that's the only option for them. Hopefully what we can do is we can give them ideas, strategies, things that can help their child at home to ensure they don't fall through the gaps. And that's one of the things that a lot of public school teachers will say behind closed doors but won't openly say. The system is not there. The system is supposedly designed to ensure all students get the best quality education. Unfortunately, the way the system is built, there are students who will fall behind or who will get missed. And as a teacher and someone who's trying desperately to start my own family, you cannot leave your child's education up to a single teacher or a single school. You have to be I've, involved. Have to be. I have always thought that it was strange um, that we give so much of our children's lives over to complete strangers. Like that to me. And I I think that comes into that instinct that you get when you're a parent, like when you drop them off at daycare and you've probably seen movies or heard mm-hmm. songs where it's like they're clinging to your leg and screaming and they won't let you go. And then you go outside and you cry. And I think that's just the instinct of this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this, but we're so programmed. Like, this is just the way it is. This is just what we do and they'll get used to it. Don't worry. It's just separation anxiety. It'll be fine. Um, so hopefully we can also help people realize that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and, and there are some creative things you can do. Like if you really want out of the system, you can find a way to do that. I mean, you can. It will be hard. Like it's fucking hard because they make it nearly impossible. But and then along the way, I mean, if you want to build up to that, here are some things that you can do to start implementing, you know. And I think it would also be interesting if we did some research to both um, areas and see what the regulations are and how much of a say parents actually get yeah, because that would definitely. also be helpful yeah definitely and um it's I, i'd say it'd probably be the same in your public system that it's portrayed as having a lot of community involvement but in the stark reality of it it's an unofficial say you might be able to say oh i'd like this and then the, the department or right. the school makes a decision anyway they're not going right. to necessarily follow what you think it should happen like i don't think like, I didn't realize this until recently where I read an article about it, but they're like in America, I don't know if they do this here, but if kids get in trouble throughout the day, they will take their recess, their free time outside away and yeah. you have to stay inside. And I didn't know until recently that as a parent, you can say, no, yeah, you're yeah. not doing that to my kid. Like, we are not doing that. And like, that was like a game changer. Like, I wonder how many, because we experienced it as kids. Like, this is just the way it is. We don't really have it. Like, as children, we don't have a say. And then your parents aren't advocating for you because they don't know. So then we just perpetuate this cycle. So, like, I wonder what else there is that parents don't know. Like, you can just, like, say no to that. Like, no, you're not doing that to my kid. Like, 
at the end of the day, the the school or the institution, wherever you're sending your child to, they have a legal obligation to protect your child. And when it comes to recess and lunch, those are protected, especially in Australia, those are protected under law as being your child's exercise time. Like there's legislation that your child needs to be able to go out exercise. So if a teacher, technically if a teacher is like, oh, little Jimmy um, was fiddling on the floor and he wouldn't listen, so he's going to have to stay in for recess, doesn't have to happen. There are other ways in which that child can be supported or, or the inverse, maybe it is a really bad behaviour and some kind of consequence needs to happen. It doesn't need right. necessarily have to be the child's recess or lunch. That could be phone right. calls home to parents, meetings. Like at the end of the day, what does that actually achieve? Taking away a recess or a lunch? Well, I think it only makes things worse because yeah, just... that is clearly a child that needs to get out. I mean, energy, aggression, whatever it is, like they need to get that out. And you're taking the only um, output they, that they have for that and you're taking it away and then you're expecting them to get better. And it's <laughs> no. just like, it doesn't make any sense. Do you know what it is? It's like role playing prison. If yeah. you break the rules, you're getting locked up. Oh, you're not having your freedom. <laughs> don't get me started. Have you seen the Adams family? I have, where yeah. they they drop her off at at school and she's like, Oh, I get it. It's a it's prison, prison for children. It is. It really is. <laughs> it so, is. God, that could be a conversation itself, just an entire episode around the Prussian school system and why it was brought in. Yeah, we could do the Venn diagram of prison yeah. and yeah. <laughs> and well, actually aligns. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But you're absolutely right. Before you said that, where people are handing their handing their children over to, a lot of the time it's complete strangers, mm-hmm. and the majority of your child's time face to face is with an adult that is not you. If you were to go right. under like a legal system, what possession is nine tenths of the law? Who possesses your right. child majority of the time? The government, right. or the school, or right. the person. Yeah, and I think that's I don't know, like that article you sent me about that crazy lady trying to pass. She wants it passed to where homeschooling is no more. Ban it. And only select star athletes can homeschool, which doesn't even make any sense. Like, that's just bullshit. Yeah. But I think that's where that comes in, where people were just so in the habit of assuming we don't have any rights that, I mean, kids are just an extension of that. Yeah. And I think you guys have got a really unique, like I always say it all the time, but America, as founded as a country on freedom, air quotes, has so much potential and avenue to do a lot of these things. Whereas in Australia, we've currently got every single state but two uh, run by socialist left premiers. We've got a socialist left prime minister that our education system for the past 20 years has been geared towards a socialist state. And a lot of people go, oh, that's fantastic. It makes everyone equal and we all get the right opportunities and blah, blah, blah. But it's social engineering to the highest order, and you really see it in the way that society's kind of nosedived culturally in the past 20 years. And even before that, you could see it generation after generation. Things were just, it's this weird dynamic of it's socialism combined with like an autocratic system where it's consumerism at the same time. It's not communism. Right. It's some kind of weird bastard child of the two, and it's not to our benefit <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is just so crazy to watch. I mean, even from when I was in school to now is crazy. Like we, we had a homeschool co-op before we moved and I had a 
15, 16 year old homeschool. She was homeschooled. Then her parents took her out of public school in Austin. Um, and she would tell me stories about school and it was just crazy. Like they don't allow them to take notes with pen and paper. Like they get in trouble for taking notes with pen and paper. They want everything they do to be on the laptop because of climate. Oh my God. Like you're just killing saving trees. the trees. Right. Right. So then <sighs> like your handwriting is trash, your reading abilities. I mean, I can't imagine what it's doing to your health. And then, I mean, I, I don't know if I would even trust myself more or less a teen to sit down and take notes on a laptop. I mean, can we, can we just do, know how to work laptops? <laughs> we should do a little like greenhouse gas em- emissions and carbon like credit system for what it takes to make a paper booklet or what it takes to get a battery for a laptop that has lithium. What has the highest output in carbon dioxide? I dare right. say it's the laptop. That's not exactly green. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. When she told me that, it was just like crazy because all of, all of the other kids in her class, she was from Canada. Um, and I, she's super smart, like compared to American students. Um, and it's the common she's like, yeah, it, right. We have well, at news. least they want, they want their people to be smart. Like that's at least admirable. <laughs> I mean, regardless if you're a socialist, at least you're educated, I guess. I don't know. Um, you, you see, that's what happens with communism though. They kill all the educated people first. So if everyone's educated, they just kill everyone. Right. I mean, that's how they start history over. I had yep. imagine. Yep. But no, you're absolutely right. Um, it's such a it's the same thing here. When as soon as kids reach high school, they're all on devices. But we spend the longest time in primary school teaching kids cursive and Australian uh, joint handwriting. And for whatever reason, Australian has its own version of cursive handwriting. How can there be that many different versions of it? It's just joint handwriting. I mean, same for sign language, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just confusing. Yeah, they everyone. don't they don't teach cursive here anymore. Really? We have to no. we, we push it from like grade one all the way up yeah. to year six, and then they go to so, high school and don't use it again. Like, what's the point? Yeah, the curriculum that I have that I used when I was homeschooled, and I use it now because I mean I love it so much. But they start their kids off learning cursive because then it's easier to write manuscript. Mm-hmm. So it, but they don't they don't teach that to kids here at all. Period. Dot. Not doing it. Do you know what's hilarious though? It's going to be at some point in the future where the adept at hand, at cursive handwriting will be writing each other little codes and notes that the average person won't be able to decipher or read. <laughs> and they'll have to get a computer like the Enigma code to break what cursive handwriting is. Right? It'll be like the tomb <laughs> drawings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. Like, what does this mean? What is the meaning of this? So what would you, if you like, well, we're talking about it now, so let's just run with it. What would you do? What do you do at home to help kids with cursive handwriting? Do you have any tips or tricks? So I guess it depends on the age. So <laughs> we're, we, I've started the curriculum with my three and four year olds, um, because their dad is not a fan of homeschooling. He is in the military and we are, we could not be more different. So we have to go back to court in order for me to homeschool the kids as they're primary custodial parent who gets to make all the decisions except that one um and i've already started schooling them which a lot of people don't agree with don't understand the need for whatever 
but they love it. They love sitting down, doing their worksheets. They trace their name. They can count in Spanish. They know French, all of the things. Um, and my four-year-old has some sensory issues. So he is sensory seeking and getting him to sit still and do anything is like, oh my God, how are we ever going to do this? So I have like a light sketchboard. And I will pull that out and he flips it on and he has highlighters and he will trace the cursive letters on the sketchboard. And that just keeps his attention. I'm not sure how great it is for his eyes. So we don't do it (laughs) all the time. Uh, But he does love that. And then I have flashcards. So we just do flashcards. That way they can recognize it. I mean, that's the first step of learning how to do anything is just recognizing what it is. Um, Yeah, they like to, like I have a easel that we will take outside and they will trace letters on the easel they like that watercolors just changing up their tools they really seem to love that nice all right i'm gonna throw the buzzwords at you again no. i'm gonna tra- i'm gonna, tra- <laughs> I'm gonna tra- translate what you just said for what uh educators in the public system would know so what you're doing is you've got physical manipulatives so tracing sheets things like that things that they can use You've got that sounds uh, abusive. It doesn't it? Physical manipulatives. <laughs> ah, um, <laughs> Is that what they do in place of recess? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like smashing rocks. Physical manipulatives, children. Uh, you've got repetition. So like it's like that rote learning where it's um, looking at the, the the presented product or the end product and repeating it until it just becomes muscle memory. The only thing I would add into it that I think is really beneficial is making sure that you've got your pencil grip correct. Like oh, you have a lot yeah. of kids that come through that like um, fist grip it or don't have a defined Ooh. pencil grip. Um, and to support that, there's these little grips that you can put on pencils that are triangular and it helps train the child's hand. This sounds so wrong. Helps chain, train the child's <laughs> hand to hold the pencil the correct way. And, the leftist agenda is getting to you. Oh, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, it's, re- <laughs> it's actually really important. And like and on top of that, just helping your child identify which is their most dominant hand. Like you can have kids right. that, are, that don't know their lefties, or they might play with things with their right hand, but they write with their left. They might be ambidextrous. Um, just look at what your kids doing and and follow their cues and and do what you can to support them. But yeah, all those things that you're doing are absolutely spot on. Exactly and I think it's important to too to know like the the hand of a child isn't even fully formed to hold no. a pencil until they're yeah. like seven. Mm-hmm. So I I don't try to push it too much, but just enough. Like I have binders and binders. So, and what we do is I will make copies of the curriculum pages. Don't tell them because I could go to jail for that. Um, <laughs> and then I have three ring binders and I have one for each month for each kid. And then I'll take their worksheets, put it in the sleeves of the binder and then put it away. And I have two years worth of three ring binders and storage is a bit of a problem, but that's how we keep that organized. And I have it to show the court. So hopefully one day I can do with my kids what I want to do with my kids. Yeah, nice. Um, my advice would be there's a lot of teacher-developed um, resources out there, like Teach Starter, um, Twinkle, lots of little things that you go on. And a lot of it's free. You just sign up to it and you go on, you download what you need. That could be really helpful also. But yeah, I think you got the right idea. It's pretty shameful that you can't use what the the department or the organization's developed because 
you know, that's intellectual property, but it's education that everyone should have a right to access. Right. Doesn't I find quite, a lot of... Doesn't quite mesh with their whole socialist <laughs> idea, does it? Everyone yeah, has a right to it, but you can't use it. No, 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 I made this. this don't mine. use it. It's mine. My brain's in it. Um, I use Canva for a lot of our worksheets. Like they, teachers will design them and then put them up and you can customize them. And I do that a lot with oh, nice. like the tracing of the name. And then I just change it like this month for Christmas. I did name tracing with like Santa or Christmas trees and they love it. Like they're just so excited to look every morning and see what's on their pages. And then they do it. And then, I mean, stickers are the currency of children. Yeah, so. that's right. Stickers, high fives, just any kind of like encouragement in general, surprising. Oh, kids yeah. actually thrive on um, the, I mean, that's one, just, yeah, that's just people. That, I know, right? <laughs> it's like we're extrinsically motivated for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> um, Manipulation. That's right. I was just going to add to it that um, the one thing that I see is a constant, and whether it's how education's changed or misconceptions, sometimes kids can pick up those those misconceptions again that. They might start a letter at the wrong point when they're joining it and that kind of throws them off when they're trying to join to the next letter. So it's making sure that you as an educator actually know how to teach the writing. Like there's so many teachers I've seen in in the past that have gone through who were never taught cursive and they're trying to teach themselves as they're teaching kids. And you can see because they're starting letters at the wrong spot, numbers at the wrong spot. And it actually does flow into each letter. Like it has to be a uniform pattern that goes around for it to work. So Right. Hey, and hey, it's not shameful. Like, if you haven't been taught it, you don't know what you don't know. Just, I mean, that, that is a valid point. So, I experienced that along my journey of homeschooling, not necessarily in education, but in like personal development, emotional maturity, all of that, because I didn't have parents growing up. I mean, my mom was an addict. She was absent. My dad lived in Texas. I was in Michigan. So, I didn't have parents to teach me any of this. So, in some ways it's like I'm getting like I'm healing my inner child and I get to experience this again. And it's a really cool, really cool thing. And I think that's a cool thing about teaching is some things you didn't know you get to learn along the way. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's um, it's a, the big one you hear about in the staff room, especially when teachers go from teaching prep, which is like preschool and they jump into a year six classroom. And they're like, I never learned that math as a kid. I can't do it. And they freak out and they have to watch YouTube <laughs> tutorials the night before they teach it. I think that's amazing. And that's one of the things that we do as homes, like in homeschool, like I didn't learn common core math and you're not going to learn it either. I think it's stupid. Like it, math shouldn't have 1800 steps to complete it. That's just not the way it works. It's that Invincibles clip. Math is math. Why did they change math? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going through with our oldest and learning multiplication facts and division and all of that. And we're just, I mean, math is math. You just add. You just multiply. There's none of this. You just know how many groups of five make Ah. this. I, that's where like, like rote learning where it's just the repetition of constantly doing something until it sticks. They've kind right. of gone away from it saying that's not best practice because they're not actually understanding the concepts. They're just memorizing, but it's bloody useful. I can remember being a kid having times tables up on the toilet door and right. I'd go through the multiplication timetables while I was taking a dump. 
my stepmom thought that or in the she back was of the clever thought that she was clever and she bought me a cd that was like raps of multiplication facts and she would make me listen to that over and over and over but you know what it worked but I mean, do you but when you hear like a times table or like a the do I rap year, it? Do you hear that tune in your head still? Yes. 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 It, it works. It works. It works. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like they did. They introduced all of that new stuff to kind of drive a wedge between parents and children to make them trust their teacher yes. and the public school system more than their parent. Like my teacher knows this and you don't. Like, yeah, and I'm not listening it. to you. <laughs> you see it replicated in media and memes on Instagram where the parent is like screaming at the child, what is double nine? And the kid's in tears, what is double nine? And the kid gets so upset that their parent's angry with them over something so small and trivial that it's not the kid's fault because they've been taught this really weird way of doing things. And right. the parent's generation, it was so simple, like, it's driving that wedge between the two and creating a division even in the household. Yeah, I think it's intentional. Oh, absolutely it is. So, Kaki, you kind of blackpilled me already. I don't think we can do this podcast anymore. I'm just on the same lines as you. <laughs> you ready to quit? I'm ready to quit. We can't even slack swap <laughs> anecdotes now. I just agree with you 100%. <laughs> oh, I'll, write your, I'll, write, I'll write your resignation letter for you. Thank you. This um, system sucks. I'm out. applying for a new job here's my referee kaylee i'll have you note that she's a yellow belt by the way (laughs) yeah and i'll have you know i won second place in a beauty contest when i was a child so i have that trophy too way to go bob (laughs) (laughs) no second place second place (laughs) well you don't want to go for the first place because they're going to be stuck up a little bit second place is a bit more humble I don't know. Right. I'm a yellow belt. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. Like, there's aspects of the system that don't want to change or are done intentionally. But at the same time, there's hours and hours and years of work and research that go into quality types of, like, evidence-based things that work that are done at the same time. And it kind of makes the whole idea of learning and education murky like you have to navigate all of that you have to throw out the trash to find the gems in between and hopefully we right. can do that for our listeners find what hopefully. works for us in the past and and hopefully do that yeah absolutely all right so what do you let's brainstorm some ideas what do you want our, our actual like official episode on a topic to be mm. i don't know i feel like i should have had some topics written in like a hat to like pull them yeah up. oh that worked um can't be karate because you're just too much of an expert being a yellow belt yellow belt so and i've seen karate kid so i've yeah. even seen the third one so <laughs> don't mean to take my own horn there um well, have we'll you just... seen the one with jaden smith though no i don't watch that one i have not seen that one right. jackie chan <laughs> should only be on rush hour that is it <laughs> it's kind of racist of you well, well, maybe. <laughs> uh, we'll edit that out. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> well, there's lots of topics. Like, um, I recently did an episode with Chad and Adam from Into the Apocalypse. Uh, Deborah gets repealed, looking at like morph- morphology words, how to understand words, spelling. That could be in a, something we could go down because that's pretty fresh in my mind. Um, 
Maths, like you said, America has Common Core. Australia does not have Common Core. Lucky you. Yeah. Um, But we do have like nationalised curriculum, which is, I think, what Common Core is trying to achieve. Uh, There's writing, there's um, vocabulary development. There's all types of avenues we could go down, even maybe just setting what is what does the ideal learning space look like that could be something we could tap into yeah we could start there yeah we're yeah. setting like what each setting looks like and then what we wish it could be and what we like about the way it is yeah and find something that works in between like even if it's a, a family who does have a child in a private or a public setting there's no reason they can't apply our advice to like a study space in the house that helps them out no oh, absolutely yeah because i mean yeah. they're bringing home homework so that's right Oh, yes, the forced homework that actually, according to our research in Australia, has very little to no impact on student outcomes. No, and I feel like if you have a job and you're not able to accomplish that job in eight hours, you're not good at your job. I mean, your whole job is to teach them and you're sending them home with more work for me to teach them too? Yeah, Um, well, it's actually quite funny. In my system, teachers actually have to prove their performance each year in order to get an increase in their pay like we've got this system where from when you graduate as a teacher up until I think it's about 15 years you get a pay increase every year if you've proven that you're a high quality teacher right so we have to go through this professional development process where you prove that you're hitting all these elements of teaching whereas I don't know if that would even exist in the American system well we have standardized testing and that's is how they rate teachers in schools. So, yeah, we've like, got something similar as well, but we've got something separate that is. And I don't think they teaching. incentivize them. I think it's just if all of your class doesn't pass, you're out, man. Yeah. Well. There's no bonus. It's just job stability. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, and I think that's like, you know, we took, we spoke about this on your appearance on my show that there's people that can get paid more money working at McDonald's in the States than they can being a teacher. Whereas in Australia, you're actually a pretty good wage as a teacher, generally speaking, especially if you're someone who manages to stay in the system. Holy shit, you can be on 120 grand a year. And that's the way it should be, honestly. Like if you are helping to educate the future leaders of tomorrow, then yeah, you should be making good money. But like you said, at the same time, there should be performance stuff in there like i know a lot of high paid teachers that probably shouldn't get paid that much like if i was a, if it was my personal business and i knew that person had that many years of experience they should be doing a lot more and right. I think a lot of people know those types of people even any job any job and i don't know and i i feel like sometimes the teachers here in america i i don't know i have over like a thousand friends on facebook that i've accumulated throughout the years And a lot of them are educators. And sometimes it appears that they are in it for the hero complex. The esteem, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like, look at me. I'm a teacher. This is so hard. What a risky job I have, you know? Yeah, I I think that's true. Like, I think there's been a a pretty big shift within the past maybe 20 years, even 10 years here, that people are going into it for the acclaim and the, the notoriety of, oh, I'm an educator. I, I teach the youth of tomorrow and I'm making real change. Whereas it's moved away from like, it was intrinsic before people became teachers because they generally liked working with kids and loving seeing them learn. Right. Whereas now you've got the TikTok and Instagram generation of teachers who have right. to put everything up 
But I think that's just a rise in narcissism, I think, is in every um, profession. I mean, look at nurses. Yeah, exactly. Same I, thing. I was, um, it was, I finished school for the year now. We have our Christmas holidays coming up for summer. And the last few days of school was no actual teaching. It's just resetting your classroom, moving rooms if you have to. And I was just cleaning my art room. And one of the brand new teachers came in and said, oh, can you give me a hand with this? I'm like, yeah. And I took some stuff over to her room for her. And she goes, like, oh, your room looks really interesting. She goes, yeah, I'm going for an underwater theme this year. What's your theme? And I've gone five years worth of educational crap. <laughs> learning is my theme. Yeah. That's my theme is learning. Uh, I'm like, so, so how, you- how, how long until this is up on Instagram? She goes, oh, I've already put a few up. And of course you have. I mean, I can't yeah. say much. I put all of our, well, most of our stuff on Instagram. Um, does she do a theme like for the year? Or yeah, is it like a... I think previously she had a Harry Potter one, but it's, I think, but I, it's like, devil worship. Yeah, but it's not like, okay, cool, kids like Harry Potter, but do those kids like Harry Potter? All of them? You're there's using a, all of them as, to as be a, interested in that? There's a lot of you in here, but there's not a lot of the students in here. It's like the teachers <laughs> who, um, the teachers who, when they're in the classroom, they put all the anchor charts up. So, like, this is how you uh, identify there, there, and there. This is how you write a sentence. All these little prompts around the room. They put them up at the start of the year, then teach the content and never actually refer to them. They're just up for the sake of being up. Well, Whereas and I with- think when you have <clears throat> things up like that, like, they just become background noise. So then yeah. you just zone them out. So if you were to do that, maybe incorporate it when you're teaching the thing and then take it back down and then put it back up. And then yeah. that well- way it's always different. When I was in the classroom, I was always really cognizant of having a blank slate classroom at the start of the year. It looked a bit boring. I had my desk and that was it. And the kids had their desks and whatnot. But anytime we learned a new subject, the part we learned together is we'd create the anchor chart or the poster so the kids were actually involved and we'd put it up the room together. And then when we're teaching it later on, go, oh, remember when we looked at sentences? Remember what has to go at the end of every sentence? What goes there? That's amazing. That's yeah. a great way to do that. It gets them involved. And then yeah. it's not just, there's no connection to the yeah. material being learned. And that's important too. Like kids need to have that connection. I mean, cause counting doesn't really affect my three-year-old until I'm offering her candy and three <laughs> is more than one. So yeah. then it actually matters. Um, but if there's no connection to what is being taught, they're not going to retain it. Yeah. It's student buying. And I think for me, what I value in education, being someone who's actively gone out and become a teacher, is that the biggest thing for me is student relationships. Like if you don't have a, a respectful relationship with a student, they know who you are and you know who they are as a person, you're not going to really get anywhere. And you see that fail in a lot of classrooms where teachers just have the expectation, you come to school, you sit at your desk, this is what we're doing, you do as you're told because I'm the teacher. Whereas I've got that bit more of a broader understanding that, you know, Little Sam came in this morning and he's got a pretty rough thing going on at home and he needs 10 minutes at the back of the room or he needs just to sleep for the first hour because he's absolutely drained. He didn't sleep all night. Like, so be it. If he misses out an hour of his learning, but he's in a better headspace for the rest of the day, who cares? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that I've heard is people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you are just pushing facts on them all day, they're not going to give a rat's ass until they know like, oh, this person cares about me. Like they're doing this for a reason. You know, they care about more than how I'm making them look. Yeah. There's there's an approach I use called held in mind. And 
I was pretty successful at it, but it was at the point where until I stepped into the art room, every year level I got were considered the hard group, the really complex kids, the kids that were really hard to manage because I was the Mr. Fix-It. I could get it done. And my process of held in mind was you could be lying to the kid essentially like, oh, hey, Sam, you know, I was out on the shops on the weekend and I saw this this uh, this Ninja Turtle toy and it reminded me of you because you had that shirt last week. You know, I think that's a really cool shirt. And it just helps those kids who don't have connections or quality relationships. They go, oh, that person's thinking about me. They care about me. And it's just those right. small little things that you can do for children that make a world of difference. Right. And I think that sometimes we forget that kids are human too like we expect them to live up to all these expectations like be good and get good grades and don't talk back and don't have an opinion but they're still people and they need to know that they're cared about and they need to have their needs met you know like you were saying I was that kid that would fall asleep in class because you know my mom was an addict stripper and she wasn't home all night and I was getting beat and then I would go into school and they would expect me to care about multiplication like I haven't eaten in three days and we don't have power at my, at our house. So of course I don't, I don't care about this. Like least of my worries right now, man. <laughs> and I'm sure, and it's a, it's a common thing that happens in education, particularly in the public system that the kid is often blamed. Oh, that's Kaylee. She doesn't listen. She doesn't care. It's that family. You remember her brother? Her brother was exactly the same. Like, you know, right? they're unteachable. That's my biggest gripe. That is the biggest sign of disrespect. Like, these are people's kids. How would you feel if an adult was talking about your kid that way? Oh, yeah. That's the way I think And even if it. you don't have kids, like, what if that was you? Like, what if you, yeah. like, just a little bit of empathy goes a long way. Like, put yourself in that kid's shoes. Like, you have no idea what their home life is like. Or you do, you know. So, I mean, just have a little bit of empathy. Treat your students the way you wanted to be treated when you were a kid. Yeah. And isn't it funny how we have talking points that left-driven ideologies all praise but don't actively commit to themselves, yet we're actively doing it? Right, right. We've got the lived experiences and they they, uh, they tend not to. If you deviate any kind of difference between what their idea of that is, you're pond scum. Like bullying? Yes. When... Our middle son went to public school his first year of kindergarten. He was five. Um, and he had a kid in his class, like, knocking his water bottle over and making fun of him. He used to dance all the time. Like, he would just break into dance. And then he stopped because they made fun of his dancing. And then it got so bad that he, the little boy, knocked him over and put his foot on his throat. And he was having panic attacks going to school. And of course, the school has a zero bullying policy, policy. But when you keep your kid home because he's having panic attacks, then it looks bad in court. Like if you're in a custody battle yeah, then and you're they the make you guy, out right? to be a bad guy. Yeah. But they're incentivized to keep kids in school no matter what here in the States. They get $75 a day if your kid is there at time of attendance. So if your kid shows up before 10, they get $75 a day per student. Wow. So that, uh, yeah. that's a little bit different from ours. Ours is based on enrollments. So government schools will get X amount of thousands of dollars per student at the time of enrollment, um, not by a day. So that's interesting. So if a school has a low attendance rate, that school is not going to have a lot of money. Right. Wow. And that's why they push kids to be at school when they're sick or oh. when there's bad weather or they're being bullied. Or I, I'm sure they weren't at school when the air was spicy, though, because that's a different type of sick. That's a yeah, it's not 
There's a spicy air. Wow. So, yeah, even in this episode, we're definitely seeing vast contrasts between both their education systems, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to have more stories for you when I go and be a fly in the wall in public school. Yeah. Are you going in as a mum, like, like to, with group reading or anything like I'm that? I'm going to try. I'm going to see if they're going to let me. I don't know that they will because I'm the evil stepmom, you know? Oh, so yeah. I'm not sure if I will be permitted to do so, but I'm hoping I'll be able to do that. And we'll see. All right, children. Today we're learning about the solar system. Here's the globe. No, we're not. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're not learning about that. So you've got to learn to be diplomatic and sit back with a quiet face. And oh, that's me. Just listen, yeah. Yeah, that's not my husband. But that Definitely is. Not. We're, we're very much alike and very much similar. I have more control over my facial expressions and words. <laughs> Bob certainly does not. Yeah, if he doesn't say it, his face says it real loud. So, <laughs> real loud. I never thought eyes could express full sentences like that. Oh, man. Yeah. What is that? You get the inflection and everything when he yeah. looks at you. The cadence and everything coming from that one look. Wow. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I, this is a pretty good episode. Just like to get our thoughts out on out into the interwebs and get people's ideas what what we're about. Um, where can people find you? At that retro homeschool on Instagram. And that is all. Cool. Um, we need to set up an Instagram for this show. I'm pretty sure that the homeroom is taken. So we'll have to come up with some kind of acronym or something else to use, unfortunately. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll pop this out on its own dedicated RSS feed. Um, but soon as that we'll we'll start sharing on our own little instagram and other areas as well and hopefully this is something you guys can get around and something that's fresh and different i don't hear too many people actually talking about this especially when they're from completely polar opposites of the educational spectrum and the globe cough globe uh yeah we've got our own lived experiences our own ways of doing things and hopefully we can come together to help our listeners perfect no worries uh, I'm Drew. That's that's Kaylee. She's been fantastic. Watch out. She is a yellow belt. And we'll catch you next and time. And second place beauty contest winner. Ooh. All right, everybody. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs>